Well, good morning, church, and happy Mother's Day. Excited to be before you today preaching the word of the Lord, and uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we ask that you would be present among us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move and that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive your word and that we would be able to uh, put it to use. Lord, as mothers and as fathers and as children and grandparents, God, help us to use your word to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are studying the life of the disciple Simon Peter. We're in a series where we're going over his, his letters that he wrote after the resurrection of Jesus. Peter was uh, one of the disciples whom uh, struggled a little bit, but Jesus chose him specifically for a main part in his ministry. And after the resurrection, he seems to be solidified and used in a great way by Jesus. Uh, This is the disciple, Simon Peter, the disciple whom God gave an extra dose of emotion. This is the fella who was not afraid to pull a trigger on one of his emotionally charged, half-thought-out ideas. And even after being personally taught by Jesus and following the Lord wherever he went for several years, Simon Peter was still making big-time mistakes. If you can relate with Peter in that way, then be encouraged because there's plenty of hope for your life and your ministry to others. And Jesus even gave Peter the name, his name Peter, which means rock. And he said, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now that's a pretty stiff responsibility, especially for a guy like Peter who doesn't seem rock solid at all, but that's what God does. He takes imperfect people and uses them for great things. That's one of God's methods. He takes us and uses us for great things. Now, God used Peter in a huge capacity to start the first church. After Jesus' resurrection on the day of Pentecost, Peter stepped forward and preached the first sermon to a brand new church. And you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. And that church, uh, that Peter boldly played the lead part in getting together and and building, that church grew exponentially. It grew so much that here we are today, 2,000 years later and 6,800 miles away, and we are still gathering to hear the word of God and to let the Holy Spirit move among us in praise and worship because Jesus was raised to life so that we could also be raised to new life. I love that first church. I love how it got started. Such a glorious gathering of people that Acts tells us about. There were Jews that were accepting the the gospel message and Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit. 
But it wasn't always easy. As a matter of fact, it was rough. A lot of tough things happened as the church got started. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Now I want to make a point right here. We, Colony Christian Church, this group of people right here seeking God through His Son Jesus, we are the church as the people, we try to model ourselves after this first group of believers. We, meaning us, the people, the church, are about to break new ground on a new building. As soon as, or could be as soon as May 30th, we'll start on the foundation. That's exciting news. Now I have faith that God will use this new building to do His kingdom work. But let's not forget that the church is us not a building. So, when we are tempted to argue about what color the carpet's going to be in the nursery, or about what should come first when you walk into the foyer, the coat rack or the gun rack, sorry, everybody knows that the gun rack should be first because you've got to put your gun somewhere before you can take your coat off. That's not going to be an issue. When we're tempted to argue about those things, we need to keep in mind the caliber of our issue. In the first church, people were getting killed because they were part of the church. And yet, the church grew and went on to be strong. And they focused even more on doing God's work because for the believer, we have no need to fear death. Let's keep that in mind as we build our new building. The first church, they lost their brother James. And now, now Peter is in jail. And he's just as guilty as of spreading the good news as James was. It doesn't look good for Peter. Especially the trial part. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial. And uh, they really were pleased with what happened to James, and so it doesn't look good for Peter. They would surely condemn him to death. Now I want to focus on two verses today, because they go together. The very next verse that we read after verse 4 in this account is the first verse that I want to focus on for today. Verse 5, 
It says, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The church prayed. Church, we need to take prayer very seriously. It's a big deal. Verse 6, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers, and others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod, from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Let me rewind and review that. Verse 5, the church is praying for Peter. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, an angel comes. Peter is probably uh, praying himself. He's probably realizing that he's going to meet his maker pretty soon. But then the angel comes. And the angel breaks him out. Peter was saved. Saved from death. Now, where do you think Peter went after this? If we look at Peter's life before the resurrection, who knows where Peter went after this point? He was broken out of jail and free now, uh, but now Peter knows where to go. Peter has seen the resurrected Lord, and he knows where to go. Acts chapter 12, verse 12 says, When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Peter went to the church. And they were evidently still praying. They were probably uh, still praying for him specifically. And then he showed up. Verse 13, he knocked at the door in the gate and the servant girl came named Rhoda. Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. and When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them, how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. <laughs> Rhoda. Uh, Rhoda is proof that there were blonde people in the Middle East in the first century. And I can say that because I'm 
a little bit blonde. She's so excited she didn't even let him in. Peter's knocking at the door. And uh, verse 19 uh, says that, that Herod sent out a search party and sentenced the guards that were in charge of Peter. He sentenced them to death. So waiting outside at the door knocking is not a great idea. This is not a good position for Peter to be in. And he wants in to be safe. And Rhonda hears his voice and runs to the others. And the others, they don't believe Rhonda, or Rhoda, I said Rhonda, Rhoda, they don't believe Rhoda at first. It doesn't sound like the others had much, uh, much faith in the prayer that they were being part of at that point either. Says his, they thought his angel had come to the door. Um, Jewish culture uh, is traditionally thought of that every person has his guardian angel, and um, the fact that uh, Peter's guardian angel was at the door meant that Peter had probably already been executed in jail, but they were praying nonetheless. Anyway, they finally let him in. And they were super amazed that Peter is alive. And you know what we can credit with this? We can credit God with saving Peter's life. He's the one who sent the angel. He's the one who is all-powerful and can do anything. But if we overlook the fact that God works through people and that he works through prayer then we circumnavigate his methods. Quite often, we don't even recognize who the hero is and what her name is. Take a look at verse 5 and verse 12 again. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Who is the hero in this situation? Well, like, uh, like Howard mentioned, uh, most of the ladies in the Bible were named Mary. It's Mary. The hero is Mary, and her name is Mom. Now, I know it sounds like I got that mixed up. But if you were to ask me, what person protected me the most when I was most vulnerable in my life, I would say it was my mom. She's a hero. And I don't call her Carrie. I call her Mom. She turned me from a little baby into a full-grown man. She doctored me when I was sick and corrected me when I was wrong. She taught me how to talk and laugh and how to have fun. She saved me from serious injury or death probably more times than I know. When I was about five, she caught me when I jumped off the roof of the house. Now, to my credit, I thought I was just obeying my dad because he told me, don't jump, and I didn't hear the don't, so I jumped. 
My mother was there to catch me. She comforted me when I was sad. And she gave me my first Bible. And I know that she prayed for me. All that makes her a hero in my book. Now one of the heroes in this book is Mary, the mother of John Mark. And we've likely overlooked her because she's only mentioned in one verse. Now I'm afraid that's the case with a lot of mothers. They get overlooked for all the care they give us when we are small. This past week, I got the the pleasure of of spending some time with my my daughter Abby and my my first grandson. And he's a pretty good-looking little booger. But sometimes, man, he will holler and he will fuss and complain. And then he would spoil his britches and never once did he apologize for it. I didn't hear him at all tell his mother thank you for feeding him. I suppose. I suppose we had ought to make up for all that when we get older. When we're old enough to realize how much that our mothers did for us when uh, we weren't old enough to know any better. We ought to make it up to them. Tell them how much we appreciate them. I suggest... uh, so you just go ahead and do that today. It's a good day to start. So what do we know about Mary, the mother of John Mark? Well, she's a woman of means. She's probably a widow because the scripture says uh, she is the one who uh, it attributes her name with the house. So probably uh, she is the, the owner of the house. So she probably wasn't married at this point. Her husband probably had passed away. And she had managed her resources well because she still had the house. She probably had a rather large home because the church was able to gather there. A bunch of people. She used her resources also to serve the Lord. The church was gathered in her home. And she wanted that and That's what we see happening. So she used those resources to praise God. She was also the mother of John Mark, obviously. So who is John Mark? John Mark is the the fellow who wrote our gospel, a gospel of Mark. Uh, John Mark also went on mission with Barnabas, which was his cousin and the apostle Paul. And he did missionary work. And one time he... He bailed on him. He uh, got nervous or it was too much for him or something. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly what happened, but he, he left them and Barnabas went back and, um, and later on uh, recruited him and he went with Barnabas again and, and um, went ahead and did that mission work. The song that Brant and Danelle sung, Brant, that Brant sung, it, it was about Mama's house. Mama's house. You know, that house where people are welcome and they gather there often. They talk about life and not just the normal things. 
but the important things in life. Like Jesus and his teachings, Mary, John Mark's mom, she opened her home to the believers, and this is where the first church gathered. And they prayed diligently, and amazing things happened. That home is the first place that Peter went to after he escaped prison. That home where the church was gathered. Mary's house was a place where extended family stayed connected. Barnabas, which is John Mark's cousin, he was evidently close enough to the family that when he asked John Mark to come with him and Paul, come with him and Paul on the missionary journey, Mary allowed him to go. Mama's house is also likely where John Mark returned when the going got too rough for him and he left Paul and Barnabas. Hopefully, your mama's house is a place you feel like you can return to in the midst of failure. We can assume that during that time when John Mark returned, Mary continued to pour out grace and love into her son. In her home, John Mark was surrounded by believers, covered in prayer, and offered forgiveness without condemnation. Perhaps it was that kind of family value that influenced Barnabas when he was growing up and hanging around her house. Maybe that's what caused him to give John Mark a second chance at missionary work. He had a solid foundation when he left his home the first time but there's something about failure that can either make you or break you and in his mother's house his faith was nurtured and he grew into maturity in the Lord so much in fact that Paul eventually calls him a fellow worker and he he requests that Timothy uh, bring John Mark to him his story begins in the same house where the church was gathered and praying for Peter when he was in jail. This same house that Peter goes to when the Lord gets him out of jail, and if we could have gone into her home, she would have probably had a plaque with Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 hanging on her wall. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just from the one verse that we have on Mary, the mother of John Mark, we can tell that she loved the Lord and served Him. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1 says, You must love the Lord your God and always obey His requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. This is something that Mary must have known and put into action. She also must have known chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, verses 18 through 20. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Mary, the mother of John Mark, loved the Lord and served him. 
she took it seriously. She must have prayed often. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now that kind of sounds like Peter when he would later write, Prepare your minds for action. Peter would uh, continue to write uh, more about this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he would say, The end of the world is coming, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. We should take our prayer seriously. It would appear that Mary absolutely took it seriously. Not only was she involved in prayer, but she invited the whole church into her house to pray. She opened her arms and her home to friends, to family, and to neighbors and strangers. First Peter chapter 4, verses 8-9, through nine, the very next verses, we read, It is most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Mary opened her home to friends, family, neighbors, and strangers. She also trusted the Lord with her children's lives when they were called to spread the gospel. Now that can be difficult. That can sometimes make us nervous. When my children are tempted to spread the gospel to strangers, I want to, uh, to regulate them to make sure they're doing it in a safe fashion. And I think as parents, we must do that. We also need to trust the Lord with our children as they grow up. Trust the Lord with their lives when they are called to spread the gospel. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5-6 through six says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Offered love and forgiveness. This is what Mary would have done. Mary also built others up. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. How often do we uh, fail to build each other up? But that goes a long ways. A positive word, an encouraging word, does amazing things as far as putting someone in the mood to do the Lord's work. Build each other up. Let me review those five points. Love the Lord and serve Him. Pray often. Uh, Open your home to friends, family, neighbors, and strangers. Uh, Trust the Lord with your children and with their lives. And build others up. What a blessing John Mark's mother was. I'm going to show you one more verse. And this is how I hope John Mark's mother was treated. And it's how we should treat our mothers. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 28 and 29. 
Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. This is what we should say to our mothers. You surpass them all. This sermon started out with Simon Peter as the main character. And we talked a lot about John Mark being the son of Mary. But as you can see, there's a hero mother behind the scene. And if we asked her, Mary, the mother of John Mark, if we asked her who the main character is, she would say, It's the Lord. And that's why she raised her son to follow him. That's why she had the church meeting in her house to pray for Peter so that he could go on telling others about the Lord. And that's the whole point of us all meeting together right here, right now in this place so that we can be encouraged, so that we can praise the Lord for everything that he has done in our lives, including giving us mothers. Christ died on a cross so that we didn't have to. And God raised him from the dead so that we could also be raised from the dead to eternal life. And that place will be called home. Our ultimate home is in heaven. As we bow our heads right now, let's focus on what God has done in our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for everything that you've given us, for the blessing of mothers. Lord, we thank you for their love and care, their compassion and kindness. We thank you for their prayer. And Lord, we praise you for who you've made us to be. Lord God, we ask you to lead us and guide us in the paths of righteousness. Lord, we are so grateful for the second chances that our mothers give us, for the second chances that you give us. Lord, we put you in the highest place of honor. Lord, because of that, because you have created us all, we may also honor our mothers today. Lord, we ask for forgiveness and guidance. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.